I'm Brett Chang. And I'm Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Wednesday, February 9th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech, all in less than seven minutes. So another quick Olympic update. We won a bronze yesterday in ski jumping. It was actually the first Canadian bronze ever. And so congratulations to the mixed. And it was actually the first time they had this event, mixed ski jumping. So we have like men and women do it. And there's like a collective points. Anyways, Canadians got bronze in that. So it's very exciting. But on the skiing topic, did you know about uh, Elaine Gu? I do because I follow this somewhat closely. Canadian-ish. American. American, Jay. So she's from, born and raised in San Francisco, and she's like me. She's half Chinese, and she's just one of the best freestyle skiers in the world. And she chose to compete for China over the U.S., despite being born and raised in the U.S. I just find it very interesting. It brings in a lot of questions for me about, you know, identity, and she's in the middle of geopolitics now. Anyway, she won gold. She pulled off this trick that no woman has ever done before in her last run and it's incredible and now she's the most famous person in china they shut down weibo because there was so much traffic on it from chinese fans it's it's a pretty cool story and this is the types of stories i really do like about the olympics that are obviously about sports but also geopolitical issues are hard and 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 identity issues are hard not to to mix up too can i change the subject for a second i know how excited you are about this and so yes you can't change the subject you, you gave a uh, a hint about how to do wordles maybe a couple of weeks back maybe a couple of days back and to start with the word irate and so I've been starting with the word I rate every time I do a Wordle every morning. And today, the actual word, well, today we're recording this on Tuesday. So Tuesday's word was frame. I'm not going to ruin anybody for, for yeah, tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and I rate, there were three letters in the exact right place. And I'm suggesting that you might be a Wordle genius, even though I think you gave it up. Well, look, Jay, I'm happy that you give me credit for that. I have to say that I got it from a TikTok that's been seen by millions and millions of people. And so I did not invent that. That's what a, a linguist TikToker showed me. But Jay, I actually have an update for that. Supposedly, it's not the best word. A like computer scientist ran a program to find the best word, and it's, it's actually wrote, R-O-A-T-E. Write it down. I can see you writing it down right now. Wrote is supposedly the best word to start with because you get like more vowels in there. And you uh, get the and you get the R, T, and E as well. Okay. I got it. You know, it's it only one it's only one letter different than I rate, you know. Yeah, but we're, this is a game of inches, Jay. I guess you're right. I guess you're right. All right, Brett, aside from what is the right word or word to start with and Elaine Goo and the Olympics, what do we have for Peak Pals today? For our first story, more housing. For our second story, back to the office. And for our third story, more maple. For our first story, an affordable housing task force convened by the Ontario government says 1.5 million new homes must be built in the province over the next 10 years in order to make housing affordable again. Brett, that's a lot of homes, but let's take a step back. What's the problem with Ontario's housing market? If you haven't been paying attention, houses in Ontario are expensive. The average price of a home in this province has grown from $329,000 to $923,000. That's between 2011 and today. That's an increase of 180%. Meanwhile, incomes have only risen by 38%. So it's not keeping in line with income growth. And Canada has the lowest number of housing units per person in the G7, and two-thirds of that shortage is due to Ontario. It likely will not surprise you to learn that the problem is only getting worse. The supply of housing per capita dropped in the past five years. And according to the task force, building 1.5 million new homes in Ontario over the next decade would double the number of new units built and make up the province's shortage relative to the rest of Canada. And here are some of the recommendations they put forward to accomplish this. Changing zoning rules to allow for more density, increase the number of units that can be built on a plot of land, 
doing away with the design rules that limit what sort of housing can be built, like regulations on a building's color or parking requirements in larger cities, and making it more difficult for residents to block development, this is a big one, through heritage designations and appeals. Yeah, but getting all this done will not be easy. Any policy decision that would lower housing prices is likely to be met with stiff resistance from existing homeowners like Jay Rosenthal. At the same time, many people, especially younger Canadians, are shut out of home ownership. It now takes 14 years of full-time work for the average person aged 25 to 34 to save up to a 20% down payment. In 1976, this is a big one, Brett, it took five years to save 20% down. So Brett, what's the bottom line here? So lowering housing prices necessarily means reducing people's home value, and that's something that governments have carefully avoided doing in the past. The task force report is ambitious, but it remains to be seen if policymakers will be willing to implement much of it. So we'll have to wait and see on this one. For our second story, Toronto's financial district is starting to look less like a ghost town as some Bay Street bankers start heading back to the office this week. Jay, what's the back-to-office situation for Canada's big banks? Well, so Manulife and Scotiabank, like many companies, have paused plans for return to office. But BMO has led the charge by bringing back investment in corporate bankers to the office and planning for a full hybrid return by early April. If you're wondering why other big banks aren't in a rush to get people back to the office, it's part of a new strategy, actually, to attract more tech-savvy workers who prefer remote work. And If they have to come in, they really want fancier offices. In fact, back in 2020, KPMG predicted that many banks might leverage a hybrid strategy in the future to attract more workers. And that's the big picture here. Canadian banks are undergoing a digital transformation, in part accelerated by the transition to work from home during the pandemic. Their adoption of digital-first strategies have ramped up a demand for tech skills, from software development to machine learning to automation. So it's no wonder that Canadian banks are on the hunt to attract and retain not just tech workers, but workers who possess even some of those skills. And in many cases, those workers want to work from home. So Jay, employees have to go to the office at some point, right? I I think so. Canada's biggest companies have hundreds of thousands of square feet of empty office space right now. And BMO's move to bring back some bankers into the office is probably the strongest indicator yet that a full-scale or hybrid return to the office could be in store for many of Canada's biggest employers. But if there's all that space downtown, Brett, maybe we could turn into housing and it'll start eating into that 1.5 million homes needed. There's nowhere I'd rather live than in the TD Center, Jay. (laughs) Have I got a cubicle for you? Perhaps the most Canadian of all the Canadian stories we've talked about, Brett, for our last story, there's a thriving economy out there for maple syrup, and New Brunswick producers want a bigger piece of it. Brett, aren't there bigger fish to fry for New Brunswick and New Brunswickers? No, this is a common misconception. Maple syrup is actually big business. Canada produces 75% of the world's supply of maple syrup, and it's now a multi-million dollar industry. In 2020 alone, Canadian producers harvested a record of over 14 million gallons totaling sales of $559 million. Now, per Canada's Maple Report, 92% of Canada's production originates from Quebec, following 4% from New Brunswick, 3% from Ontario, and 1% from Nova Scotia. And Jay, why don't you tell the Peak Pals how much your homeland is producing? I will talk about that, and it's not going to sound like a lot, but at least the places that do produce it are in my Massachusetts backyard. The United States accounts for all but 1% of the rest of the world's production, with 51% originating from Vermont, 18% from New York, and 13% from Maine. And one quick note, Quebec is the only place in the world that has a strategic reserve for maple syrup. You know, Jay, by the way, there's also a myth that's perpetuated among Vermonters 
that they produce more maple syrup than Canada, and that's clearly just a lie. But anyways... New Brunswick trails far behind Quebec and Vermont in terms of output, but the province still saw a record year in 2021 and ran out of inventory, indicating a growing demand, and they want more of the maple pie. So, Jay, what's New Brunswick's plan to grow their maple industry? Well, according to the Canadian press, New Brunswick producers are now seeking crown land to expand production. But as the government weighs their options for land use, forestry companies are cutting down trees near existing sugaries, leaving less syrup to harvest. And the big takeaway from all of this is that as Canadian provinces are looking to expand and grow their economies, they're really evaluating all options, even ones like maple syrup that seem extremely obvious. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to and only daily Canadian business news podcast in the country. If you've got a second one, I'd follow this podcast in your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. As always, thanks to Dale Richardson and 306 Media Productions for putting together this episode. Thank you, Dale. And thank you, Brett. And Brett, tomorrow, I'm starting my Wordle with rote. I'm telling you, it'll work. It worked actually for me today, although I would have been better served by irate. Well, there you go. We'll get it tomorrow. Have a good day, Brett. 